every thought, every motive, every action should it be about letting Christ live through me and about me bringing glory and to, to Christ. Now that sounds really easy when you're up on a mountain. When life is going easy, right? It's a lot easier to praise God and to thank him for, uh, for how life is going. But all of a sudden when life starts to get tougher, it's much harder to think about Christ. It's much harder to think about bringing him glory. And what about if it gets worse? What about when I'm trying to please the Lord and I'm trying to do what he's asked me to do and then the bottom falls out and all of a sudden everything goes wrong? It's a whole lot harder to bring Christ's glory about wanting to let Christ live through my life because look what is happening when I'm trying to do that. It is not what I want to be doing. My focus doesn't become about bringing Christ's glory. My focus becomes about getting myself out of the situation that I'm in. But not Paul. Paul's desire is that he would glorify Christ whether he lived or died. And today, we, should, we see that we should make it our goal as well. So we're going to be, uh, and like I said, in Philippians chapter 1 as we do this. Sometimes following Jesus is easy. Sometimes it's hard. But when you find yourself in a tough position because you chose to follow Jesus, I want you to remember to have confidence that God will get you through what he allows you to go through. Have confidence that when you're following what God has asked you to do, that he's going to get you through it. Verse 19, it says, For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. So what is the situation that Paul is in? You probably remember. Paul is in prison. He is in Rome. He's been there for upwards, uh, been in, in prison uh, in a couple of different places, upwards of four years. He was wrongly accused of bringing Gentiles into the Jewish synagogue. The Jewish people wanted to beat him. And then uh, the Romans rescued him. He got sent off to, uh, a different, I think it was Caesarea. And then ultimately he appealed to uh, Caesar in Rome. And so that's where he's fighting himself, where he, he does not deserve to be. And it's, it's not a very exciting situation for him. But Paul has confidence that he will be delivered from prison. Now, when you think about Paul being having confidence that he's going to be delivered from prison, you know, the first thing that came to my mind when I heard that was Paul's expecting the gates to be open and he's going to go. He's expecting when he has the trial, he's going to have the verdict that he wants that says, okay, you are not guilty, you are free, and you're free to go. But if you read chapter 20, or in verse 20, he says that his hope is that Christ will be magnified in his body, whether by life or by death. So Paul really does not know what's going to happen to him. He's just expecting to be delivered from his current situation, whether he gets to get that free uh, that verdict that he is not guilty and he gets to go, or he's expecting to, his life to end. He's going to be uh, put to death, and he's expecting to go to leave this earth and be in paradise with God forever. He's just expecting something to change. And why is he expecting this? He's expecting this because of the prayers of the Philippians. Paul knows that prayer works. You know, several times throughout Paul's letters, he prays. He prays for the people that he's writing to. In Philippians chapter nine or chapter 1, verse 9, he prays for the Philippians themselves, and he says, And this I pray, that your love may abound still more, and more knowledge and all discernment. So he's praying for these people. Why? Because prayer works. In chapter 4, verses uh, 6 through 7, he's saying, Hey, guys, prayer works. I want you to take advantage of this. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, 
will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Prayer works. Paul prays. He knows that people have prayed for him. If you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 through 11, uh, Paul's, it, he, he's kind of gotten, it sounds like he's like the end of his ropes. He feels like he can't go on any farther, but he recognizes that the prayers that the Corinthian people have prayed have actually helped him out. It says, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our troubles which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, ab above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from a, so great a death, and does so deliver us, in whom we trust that he will deliver us. Verse 11 says, You also helping together in prayer for us. So Paul says, you guys are praying. And I'm, I have confidence that prayer works. And so I want you to get that. Prayer does work. Prayer does accomplish things. Paul says, I know that. And he says, I know that you guys are praying. You know, the Philippian church was the first church that supported him on his missionary journey. He went through Philippi, and they received the gospel message. And when Paul was leaving, what did they do? They said, here, we want to support you financially as best as we could. In 2 Corinthians, you find out they gave until it hurt. And then while Paul's in, on his missionary journey, they sent him aid again and again. And then you find that this letter is written 10 years later from the time when Paul was in, uh, started this church in Philippi, and they sent Epaphroditus there to meet the needs of Paul because these people have a very special relationship with Paul. And he says, I know that you guys are helping financially, and so he knows that they are praying for him, for, the whole, for, for God's help in him, uh, to help him to get through this. And it says in verse 11 also, it says, through your prayers, but the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Paul knows that uh, when these people pray, that prayers do not fall on deaf ears. He knows that God is going to work, that he's going to accomplish his will one way or another. And we're going to look at what both outcomes they could be. He, Paul could have life. How is he going to handle that? Or Paul could have death, and how can he handle that? We see, we're going to see the benefit Paul sees in both. And ultimately, Paul's like, whatever you think, God, is what I'm okay with, because uh, either way, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. There's benefits to both, so do what you want. I'm okay with either. So Paul, he has confidence that what he went through because he followed God's leading, God was going to get him through. And I want you and myself to have the same kind of confidence that when you choose to do what God gets you through, or what God asks you to do, he's going to get you through. Now notice that I'm not talking about just every situation you put yourself in, God is going to get you through. You know, I can think of times in my life where I found myself in a situation I did not want to be in, and whose fault was it? It was mine. You know, and, and maybe it's you, maybe you, you've known people in this situation where, and people do this kind of thing all the time. I don't like my job. I don't like my current living situation. So what do they do? They get online, they start looking. And so they, they with, without ever consulting God, they put themselves in a position that God never intended them to be. They move across the country, they start this new job, and then all of a sudden, things aren't the way that they're expecting. All of a sudden, they're fighting with their spouse because their spouse really didn't want to do this. All of a sudden, what looked like grass was green on the other side really wasn't. And so what do they start to do? They start to pray, God, get me out of this situation. Help me to endure this. But it was a situation that God didn't say, hey, go ahead and go do this. It was something that they chose to do on their own. 
So not every situation we put ourselves in is something that God's going to be working hard to get us through this. He might say, you put yourself there, you're just going to have to learn the lesson while you're there. Some people might use the, use, uh, have the experience of drinking and driving. And they, they start racing through the night and they're drunk and they, they run someone off the road and that person dies or they're seriously injured. And so this person finds themselves waiting for the verdict for a jury to say guilty or not guilty or here's what your punishment is. And what do they do at those times? They start to pray, God, please get me out of this. But did God want them in that situation? Did God say, hey, Josh, why don't you just drink till you can't handle it and get behind the wheel of a car and go? No, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the specific situations where God says, hey, I want you to go. And so you go, and then all hell starts breaking loose. All the problems start showing up in your life that you did not have before. Now, God can work when we make bad choices. When we choose the wrong path and we're doing what we want instead of what God wants, God can make that work. I think everybody's familiar with this guy named Jonah who was told to go one way and decided to go another way, end up in the belly of a fish. And what's he doing while he's there? He's praying. And so God gets the fish to spit him out, and then Jonah goes to Nineveh to preach the gospel there. So God does know how to work in the decisions that we make, whether he wants us there or not. But we're not talking about those. We're talking about when, you, when God says, I want you to go, and you do it, and then the, the things start falling out. Uh, for example, you know, you find yourself in limbo at your job because you opened up your big mouth and you told someone about Jesus because you felt like God wanted you to do. And now all of a sudden you're kind of playing this waiting game because the higher-ups have heard about this and they did not like the fact that you did this. And so what are you afraid of? Well, I'm afraid I might lose my job. Uh, and that's not going to look good on my resume. I'm afraid that... Uh, I'm going to be on probation and told not to do this anymore. Uh, I'm, I'm afraid that I'm going to have this awkward relationship. Everybody's going to look at me different about uh, because I was doing this. When God asks you to do things, sometimes it's going to be scary. Sometimes it's going to be hard. Sometimes you're going to wish that I never did it. And just that story there makes, makes me alone think, I'm going to think twice before I do that. Because if I'm going to find myself in that situation, I don't want to be there. But don't let that stop you from doing it. Just know that when God asks you to do it and things start seeming like they're going wrong, God's going to get you through it. If you ever find yourself in prison for preaching God's word, which we kind of look at America, we're thinking, no, probably not going to happen. But you never know that over time you might find yourself in that situation because it, all of a sudden it's not legal to preach the gospel anymore. If you find yourself in that situation, then make sure that you, you don't, you're not the guy who's apologizing you're not the guy saying, I'm not ever going to do it again. You say, okay, this is part of the territory. I did what God said for me to do. These are the consequences, but God is there with me. Uh, Hebrews 13.5 says, uh, says that God is never going to leave you or forsake you. It may not turn out the way that you want it to, but have confidence that he is right there by your side. And if you find yourself in that situation, what should you do? You should pray. You should pray for yourself in that situation. You should pray, not worry about, about how it's going to turn out. You should pray and not try to strategize a way out. You should pray and not give up or not give in. You know, and, and you, you're not in that situation now, but there are people who are in that situation right now. It's called the persecuted church around the world. There are people right now who are in prison who are scared to death 
about what they're going to have to go through. I'm sure there's some of them who are thinking, uh, what, why is this happening? Um, I don't know if I can endure this. And we, what we should be doing is be praying for them, that God would deliver them out of the situation that they're in. And that, that might be the way that they want to be delivered. Like, okay, the, the gospel message is clear and it's okay to leave because they said this is not a fair reason to hold you in prison. Or their might, might, life might be ended because they said, uh, because that was the verdict that was given. But we still need to pray for these people, just like the Philippian church was praying for Paul that he would be delivered. And when you really don't know what to pray, it's okay. Uh, you know, the Holy Spirit, he intercedes for us. It's like you pray what you think. The Holy Spirit translates that up to God and so the God's will is accomplished. Uh, Romans 8, 26 and 27. It says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. You don't know what to pray. You don't know what the exact best outcome is. Just say, Holy Spirit, God, I do not know what the best thing to do in the situation. I don't know what the right outcome is. You know what might be better for people in, in an underground prison right now to just go to heaven? The situation that they're in, the way their body's all broken down from getting beat and starved and, and picked on, it might be a better testimony for them to go to heaven right now as opposed to getting out. I don't know. It might be better for those people to get out and, and can uh, encourage the church to say, you know what? Advance the gospel. It's worth it. God's going to be glorified in this. Keep doing this. What, I don't know what the best outcome is, but God does. Just have confidence that what God allows you to go through because you said, okay, I'm going to follow you in this, that God's going to get you through this. However it turns out, Make it your goal to glorify Christ. Make it your goal to glorify Christ no matter how it turns out, whether, uh, whether it's the way you want or the way that it's not how you want. Verses 20 to 21. It says, According to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so that now as always Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by Christ or by death. Paul has the expectation, he has the confidence, he has this eager, intense look, which is turning away from everything else to focus on the object of desire. And that object or his focus is to bring Christ's glory no matter how it turns out. He's, he's seeking that nothing else matters, just the glory of God. And he says he has hope in this. This isn't the kind of hope that Seattle, when they play the Yankees next time, will beat them. Like, good luck on that one. Right? It isn't like... The hope that, I hope that somebody here decides to send me a winning lottery ticket that's worth millions of dollars, that's probably not going to happen, but is a hope, right? Anybody here would, could hope for that? But this is the kind of hope that's almost a guarantee. Uh, Paul says, this is what I am expecting. This word hope is used for when we have our hope in Jesus Christ for salvation. I'm not, it's not a nail-biter. I'm not thinking, boy, when I die, I sure hope this is real. I'm really hoping that Jesus is still forgiving me. It's like a sure thing. I'm expecting when I die, I'm going to heaven. I have that kind of confidence. I have that kind of hope. And, that, and that's kind of the confidence, the kind of hope that Paul has. And his confidence, his expectation, and hope is that he will magnify, that he will glorify, that he'll lift up the name of Jesus as he has always done. 
know, you read about the life of Paul, you know from day one, this guy was a ball of fire, right? He was the greatest missionary who ever lived from the word go. I mean, immediately after he was trying to persecute churches, he's going into the churches. And I'm like, that takes guts beyond guts to do. Because you are the guy that uh, is going to show a drastic change and everybody's going to be afraid of you. And, and now your life is worth more than all of theirs put together because you are the guy who's turned from the dark side to the light side. You know, but he, he's always magnified God in, in, his, in his work. He never shrank bad out of fear, even though I'm sure there's several times he was afraid. Paul was always bold. Paul was always willing to talk to anyone. You know, there's, there's people who here have a niche for talking to kids. Some people say, I can't stand kids, but I can talk to the people in the old folks' home. Or they say, I don't, I don't have the niche to talk to the old folks' home, but I can go talk to the ranchers. Paul was willing to talk to anybody. It did not matter. He, when he first came to Philippi, he was willing to talk to a woman. It didn't matter any kind of social norms. It, she was a wealthy woman. He says, okay, you're here to talk to you. I'm going to talk to you. He was willing to talk to the politically higher-up people. He talked to the governor, Felix, multiple times. He talked to King Agrippa. He says, this is my past. This is what God has done. And even King Felix said, um, you think you can persuade, or King Agrippa says, you think you can persuade me to be a Christian in this short of time? And Paul says, I hope that you do, except for, for these chains. I hope that everybody comes to the saving knowledge of Jesus. So he doesn't care. It's a woman. I don't care. You're a politically respected higher official. I don't care. While Paul's in prison, he's talking to other prisoners throughout, the, throughout his times in prison. Paul's talking to the guards in verses 12 and 13. He says, it's become clear throughout the whole palace garden to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. Remember I told you that those guards were literally chained to him, and every six hours they were switching off from, uh, from the past guard. As soon as someone else came, Paul says, great. You're mine. You're, I got your captive attention for six hours. Here we go. I'm giving you the gospel. And Paul was willing to talk to the churches. You, you want to talk about some tough words that Paul might have had to write? Read 1 Corinthians about all the ways these churches were screwing up. Paul was willing to tell them because Paul's life was not about himself. Paul's life was about Christ. It was about bringing Christ's glory. It was better to bring Christ's glory than try to please man. And Paul was willing to endure anything. Um, in Acts chapter 21, after his second missionary journey, you find out that, reading through Acts, that he was, his friends tried to persuade him, don't go back to Jerusalem, because if you do, you're going to be handed over uh, as, a, as a prisoner. Um, and, he, and we're going to read that and see what his response is. Acts chapter 21, verse 10 uh, through 13. It says, And as we stayed many days a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. When he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and his feet, and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him over to the hands of the Gentiles. That sounds kind of scary to me. Take off my belt and tie yourself up and say, Hey, this is what's going to happen to you. You're going to be handed over to people who are not going to uh, appreciate you. It says, verse 12, it says, Now when we'd heard these things, both we and those from the place pleaded with him not to go to Jerusalem. All his friends are begging him, don't go, because this is the outcome. Then Paul answered, what do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. 
He was willing to go where God was asking him to go. He, it doesn't matter what he's going to go through. He's willing to live. He's willing to die because he knows that he's in God's hands. He knows God is going to get him through whatever he allows him to go through because Paul is willing to be obedient. <clears throat> so wherever Jesus wants him to go, he says, I'm going to go. Whatever Jesus wants him to say, he's going to say. Whatever Jesus wants him to do, he's going to do. <clears throat> When, uh, when Paul was in, in 2 Corinthians, you find this huge list of everything that Paul had to go through. The beatings, the stonings, the, the being shipwrecked, the, the endangered from men, the danger from the seas, and all the, the floggings, all these terrible things. Paul did not let him, that did, that did not stop him. He says, this is what Jesus has asked me to do. And he had no idea everything he was going through, that he was going to get through that. He just says, I'm willing to go through this. Uh, because of Jesus. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 to 21, these are Paul's words. It says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me, and he gave himself for me. Paul says, I no longer call the shots. It's going to be hard. It is not going to be easy, but I'm going to go wherever Jesus asked me to go and endure whatever he's asked me to do. I no longer live. I'm letting Christ do whatever he wants to do through me. So Paul is willing to, to do anything. He's willing to talk to anybody. And while he's there, he says, whether I live or die, there's blessings for this. Verse 21, it says, for me, to me, to live is Christ. He says, for me, I'm going to let Christ live through me. And verse 22, let's read that as well. It says, but if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. It says, if while I'm here, I'm going to bear fruit, which is something that every Christian should be doing anyway. He says, it's, there's going to be a great benefit to this. If I'm bearing fruit, you know what that means? If, if I'm preaching the gospel, lives are going to be changed by the words that Paul says. People are going to be saved. Paul, he kind of gets to the point where he's convinced that he's going to live, and that he's going to be reconciled, or uh, brought back to the, to the Philippian church, because in verse 25 it says, I am um, being confident of this. I know that I shall remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. Paul says, I feel like I'm going to get out of this. And my goal is to bear fruit. It's to help you grow in your faith. It's to help you mature in, in your walk with the Lord. And so that's what his goal is. It's just to bear fruit. It is going to benefit the Philippian church if they hear this message and they take it and they put it to heart. But Paul's not just thinking about benefiting uh, other people. Paul's thinking about it's going to be bear fruit and it's going to benefit himself. If you ever feel like as a Christian you're trying to work in Awana, you're trying to teach Sunday school, you're trying to be a deacon or a trustee, or you're trying to do lead VBS, and you ever feel like, what's the point of all of this? Uh, remember some of these words that Paul said, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 8, and talking about sharing the gospel. Now he who plants... And he who waters are one, and each will receive his own reward according to his labor. If we're out there trying to share the gospel, we're not saving anybody. You know what? Anita, she might share the gospel. She's planting the seeds. Steve might be the one who's reaping it, or he might be adding, helping that faith to grow, helping people to understand that. But neither of those people had any, uh, they're not the ones who made that person come to salvation. But they will each be rewarded for the part that they played. And Paul, he's going to have, he says, I'm not just uh, living down here. I'm storing up my treasures up in heaven. You know, I bet Paul, when he gets there, he's going to have 
more treasures than anybody, right? Because everything about his life was trying to glorify Christ. He's, he's trying to live for him uh, and bear fruit in everything that he did. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. You'll be rewarded for the things you do on this earth. It might feel like it's in vain to change the light bulbs at church. It might feel like it's pointless to, to make cookies for a one. It might feel like it's, it doesn't accomplish anything to be leading a Bible study. I don't know. All those things, they do matter. You will be rewarded. You're, you're, you're bearing fruit. And that's what Paul is trying to do and, and be encouraged to do the same. And Paul's situation, you know, kind of sounds like a win or lose situation, right? It sounds like if you die, you won. I mean, if you, you live, you won. You got away. But if you died, you really didn't win. But really, that's not the case. Paul says, uh, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul knows that there are benefits of the grave. Uh, my dad texted me this morning that this man that uh, I knew eons ago that kind of helped me. Uh, I, I, I did purpose to fight this little church called Church of the Wildwood for about six months. I, I did not know what I was doing. I struggled through it all. And we, we got together, he was, I was about 20 years old, and he got together to kind of mentor me through some of that stuff. And I found out this morning that he went to be with the Lord. And that's, you know what all that is? That, for some people, that would be a loss. You know, I lost my grandpa. I lost this, this mentor. I lost this person that I really, I lost my best friend. I lost my neighbor. And some people, if they're not saved, that's such a heartbreak because they feel like I'm never going to see this person again. But really, what is this, um, for this man, what is it? It's only blessing. You know, even God finds blessing in, it, in Psalms 116, verse 15. Uh, probably from now on, if you happen to die, um, you won't hear these words because you're, you're gone. So just know that if I preach your funeral, I want to say these words for you. Uh, but Psalms 116, verse 15, it says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. If you die and you go to the Lord... People on earth might be weeping, they might be teary-eyed, and they might be sad and miss you for the rest of their life. But according to what God thinks, it's a blessing. And Paul knows that. He knows when he gets to heaven, he's going to have eternity. There's going to be no more tears. There's no more, no more sorrows. There's no more uh, pains or bad, sad goodbyes. He knows he's going to get a new body that never hurts again. You know, yesterday, I, I wish I could have this right now. We went to the skate park with Josh and his wife and sister, and we were, uh, I was on a skateboard. Okay, I'm walking, okay? I'm walking, I'm, I'm, I'm going pretty good, but uh, Noah talked me into riding the skateboard down this ramp thing. Well, guess what happened the first time? I made it. I made it the first time. <laughs> so guess what I thought I would do a second time? And as soon as I was on that board going down the hill, it was like, whoop! And I was like, oh, I could barely breathe. It hurt so bad. When you get to heaven, you will not do that. Okay, even if there's a skateboard and you fall, you will not be in pain. And Paul knows that when I get to heaven, there's no more pain, there's no more sorrows. I'm going to be with Jesus. I'm going to be like Jesus. He has no fear of persecution, no fear of death. He's going to see all the loved ones who have gone on to heaven before him. It's only gain. There's nothing he's going to lose. His world is not his home. There's nothing he's going to say, boy, I sure wish I had that when I got to heaven. He's not even going to be thinking about that. There's only the positive side. And if, you, if he finds himself passing away because he chose to live for the Lord, he says it's okay. His main desire, his main goal 
is that Christ would be glorified in his body no matter what happens. And verse 23 says, you know what, if I had to choose really what would be what I really want to do, he says that would be a tough choice. He says, for I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. He looks at this and says, you know what, it would be so much better for me to just depart and go to heaven, right? I have eternity, I have no fears, I have no aches and pains. You know, by, by the time Paul dies, you think about what his body has been through. You know, all the sores, all the arthritis, all the scars, you know what, and he's, it would be so much better for him to go to heaven. But he says, he says, I have a tough choice. Do I want to stay? Do I want to go? If it's up to him. He says, I know it's better to go, but he says, for your sake, I think I'm going to stay. But the point is that whatever happens, Paul says, my goal is to magnify and glorify Christ in this because Christ to Paul is life. Christ is life. And we should make it our goal to glorify Christ in our life no matter what happens. So if, I, if you find yourself as that person who's sitting in the, outside the office in the waiting room waiting to find out your verdict if you're going to get fired because of your job and you, you actually do get fired, glorify Christ in that. Don't be the guy who's apologizing saying, okay, I won't do this anymore. Just say, okay, that's the consequences. God is, hopefully God has something better for me to do. Um. If, you, if you're in prison because you're preaching the gospel, ex, have, glorify God in that. Make sure that God gets the glory, that people know that you are there because of Christ, not because of, of some other kind of crime. Give God the glory. Like I, like I said before, you know, you're not in that situation now, right? You're not in the situation where you're sitting in the office waiting to find out if you're going to keep your job or not. You're not in prison waiting to see if you're going to live or die. So just in everyday life, when life is going good, make sure that you glorify God. When life works out the way that you want it to, you, you set a plan and everything worked out, whatever it was for how to get the job done or on my vacation or what I wanted to see happen in my life, give God the glory. Uh, when you get a raise or a promotion at work, life is good, right? If you wanted that raise, you wanted that promotion, give God the glory. When you get a starting position on the basketball team that you have just died to have. I mean, it's what you want to no matter what. Give God the glory. Life is working out. when Give God the glory. But when life is not going the way that you want it to, guess what we should still do? Give God the glory. When you're going on vacation and you get a flat tire, what do you need to do? Give God the glory. And I hope that does not happen. When you, get, you screw up at work, because school's coming again, kids, or if you screw up at work, or at school, because school's coming, you guys get that, all right? If you screw up at work and your boss yells royally at you and you don't feel like you deserve it, guess what you need to do? Give God the glory. In life, in death, make sure that you're giving God the glory. If you're, in, you're, if you're on your deathbed, right, if, if because you're just age is caught up with your body and it says that's enough, or if you've had a heart attack and it just, you're just not going to make it, or you're, you're like me who's going to die of some stupid injury because he just does <laughs> stupid things, right? If you find yourself on your deathbed, give God the glory in that. But, you know, uh, the thing is, you, you can't, you, your first thing you've got to focus on if you want to give God the glory is you've got to give Christ your life. You know, you, there's no way to bring God glory if you do not do that. If, you, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you've got to start there. You've got to start with the fact that I'm a sinner and I need Jesus as my Savior. And so if you want 
to do that, it's just that simple. You just say, God, I'm a sinner. I, the, the Bible tells me, Romans 3.23, that all have sinned. And because I've, I've sinned, I cannot get to heaven, to this place that Paul wants to go. And you just tell him, I'm sorry for the things that I've done. Please come into my life. Please forgive me. And you can have eternal life. And then your next, next focus is to glorify Christ no matter what happens in your life. So real quick, a recap on the, the application of this is that when you're going through a tough time in your life because God has asked you to do something, have confidence that he's going to get you through it. It may not work out the way that you want it to. You may lose your job. You may lose your best friend. You may uh, lose something that you were hoping to keep because of this, the stand you took for the Lord, but God will get you through it. But it may work out the way that you wanted. You know what? Your boss may see that Steve was willing to take this stand. He must really believe this. There is more to this, and so I'm going to talk to Steve about this when nobody else is around. You have no idea what kind of impact that can have because you took that stand and were obedient. Don't let fear stop you. Don't let the worry of how it could all turn out stop you. Say, okay, God, you've asked me to do this. I'm going to trust you no matter how it turns out. You know, last week, um, and I, I said these words to my kids. I told you last week, I tell it to them almost every day. And I want to tell you this. I told this to my youth group back in downpour with tears running down my face. I want them to remember, I want you to remember, is that the, the important truth is to never give up on God. Life is not working out the way that you want it to. Don't give up on God. God's got a purpose. When you're getting persecuted for your faith, don't give up on God. Never Trust, never give up on God. Trust him to get you through it. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose. You just got to be willing to be obedient and follow it through to the end. And then no matter how it turns out, good or bad, you lose your life, you lose your job, you get promoted, whatever it is, make sure that you bring God glory. Every situation that you are in is an opportunity to honor or to dishonor God. So this message in a nutshell is to make Christ your life. It's your purpose. It's your point. Bring him glory uh, every, every which way your life takes you. Every part of it, good or bad, make sure you bring God glory, but make Christ your life. Let's pray.